Father, we thank you tonight for the opportunity we've had to meet together, to come together, to worship you, to have the word speak to us, and so we know that when we do worship you, we do so with our spirits, and we do so with the truth of the word of God. We thank you, Lord, that uh, as we come to the close of another Lord's Day, that we've had opportunity to learn this morning in Sunday school and worship, and now, Father, as we close out this day, teach us something from your word, from the book of Exodus. Father, we think of these tonight. We lift them up to you. We ask that you'd be with uh, James Gaddy, continue to restore him. We thank you for the progress that he's made. We know and understand he's in pain, so obviously, Lord, we ask that you'd alleviate that according to your will. <clears throat> we pray for Roy and the upcoming decisions that will need to be made concerning um, the uh, either the replacement or the repair of his aortic valve, so we do pray for him during this time. We pray for Deborah as she likewise is awaiting hip replacement. We ask that you would be with her and those that would extend care to her. We thank you for answering prayer on behalf of Steve Edwards. We continue to lift him up to you, intervene on his behalf. And Father, no doubt there are others. I think especially tonight, continue to pray for Tiffany Aguirre and how <clears throat> she's still waiting a, awaiting a liver, and Lord, she will not uh, and you, you understand she's not going to improve until her liver is replaced. So we do pray that you would be with her. We thank of Amy Messer and uh, perhaps the surgery that she will be facing, those that will be traveling this week, those that are traveling. We ask that you would extend, extend graces to them as well. Pray that you would be with our young people as they're studying the word and our children tonight. In Jesus' name we make this prayer. Amen. <clears throat> All right. So we've spent about <clears throat> two or three weeks looking at um, verses, uh, verse 21, and uh, the verses following. We spent some time talking about that. Let's read those again. And the Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you do all these wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in your hand, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. So... Uh, I prepared a uh, graph for you, a chart for you. I showed, showed you that there are a number of, of incidents in <clears throat> the first chapters of Exodus that teach us about the Lord hardening Pharaoh's heart, Pharaoh's heart being hardened, and Pharaoh hardening his own heart. So we talked about that at length, and uh, we closed that out uh, last Sunday night. So here's an interesting thing. Look at uh, verses 22 and 23. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I say to you, Let my son go that he may serve me. But if you refuse to let him go, indeed I will kill your son, your firstborn. And then we go into verse 24. This is one of the strangest passages of Scripture in all the Bible, not just in Exodus, but in all the Bible. And notice that it comes after the Lord says, I'm going to take Pharaoh's firstborn son. Notice what's, and Moses is writing this now. And it came to pass on the way at the encampment of the Lord, uh, the Lord uh, at the encampment rather, that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Then Sipporah, his wife, took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at Moses' feet and said, surely you are a husband of blood to me. So he, God, let him go. 
Then she said, you are a husband of blood because of the circumcision. So we have one incident where the Lord says, I'm going to take Pharaoh's son. I'm going to kill his son. And then the very next thing that, that Moses records, and the Lord sought to kill him. So one of the things that we, that we can glean from this, now Moses obviously is chosen by the Lord, but one of the things that we glean from this is the Lord is no respecter of persons. Now Moses is a great man, one of, the, one of the three great men of the Old Testament, but the Lord is no respecter of persons. And so whether it be Pharaoh or whether it be Moses, when they are given a task or when they are expected to obey, uh, the Lord does not grade on the curve. He expects especially Moses. So the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Along with what we've just read in verses 21 through 23, we're seeing here a mystery, and it and it's we'll, we'll do our best to to exegete it, to interpret it, but really there's there's quite a bit behind this that we're not privy to. And so if we start to read anything into this, it becomes conjecture, and we're always wrong when we do that. So it seems that God is confronting Moses with death because Moses, born a Hebrew, raised an Egyptian, had his sons born in Midian. So a Hebrew raised a prince of Egypt, left Egypt, goes to Midian, for the most part a pagan land, and he neglected to circumcise his sons. So you would think, well, why is that so important? And the issue goes back to the book of Genesis, and we're not going to take the time to go back there this evening, but circumcision was the sign of the covenant that God had made with Abraham and his progeny. And so the male individuals born into the family on the eighth day, and we understand that the, uh, the antigens that are in the blood and so forth for a um, a male infant are at the, the uh, at their maximum around the eighth day. So that's one of the things that <laughs> the Lord knows, obviously, the body. And so this is why he said, circumcise them on the eighth day. But Moses failed to do this. And now we're 40-some years hence from his failure to take his sons in consideration. The Lord is sending Moses back to Egypt as a leader of what people? What people is he leading out of Egypt? The Hebrews, the Israelites, the Jews. Now you would think Moses is a pretty sharp guy. You would think Moses has thought this through. All right, we're going back to Egypt, and probably my sons should be circumcised. But he doesn't. He's just happy, I guess, that the Lord didn't take his life back over in the first part of chapter 4. So he's traveling now with Sipporah. And so this, the circumcision is a sign of the covenant. And literally, covenant means cutting. 
So when we talk about covenants, the covenant that God made with Abraham, he cut uh, animals, cut heifers and bulls back in Genesis 14, killed them, cut them. And so circumcision obviously is a cutting. And the Lord expected Moses to carry through with his sons so that they have the sign of the Abrahamic covenant. Now, as we read this, the Lord met him and sought to kill him. And, as all good wives do, Zippor intervened. Now, remember, Zippor is not Hebrew. She is the uh, daughter of Jethro, and she obviously had learned about Yahweh, no doubt, from Moses, and Jethro was a priest of Midian. He had some exposure to, uh, uh, to Yahweh as well. But Sipporah is the one that intervenes, and Sipporah is the one that takes matters in her hand and circumcise, circumcises her. Here it says singular son. Uh, uh, maybe he had, he had circumcised one Gershom and maybe not the other one. We don't, we're not told. But um, he then takes the foreskin. She takes the foreskin. She ca- cast it at Moses' feet. And she makes this statement. Now, this is an interesting statement as well. We talked about Pharaoh. We talked about Moses. Sometimes a point of confrontation takes place. In fact, more often than not, it takes place in a leader's life where God demands that they lay aside any area of compromise. Now, may, if Moses may, well, it just slipped my mind. That's too bad. That's too bad. There's a responsibility that Moses had that he had not followed through with. So that teaches you and I something. And this is especially true of his commands. We didn't look at uh, Galatians chapter, the first part of Galatians 2 this morning, where Peter fraternized with the circumcised with the Hebrews at the church, churches of Galatia, and Paul had to call him to task over that. So, and Peter righted himself. Peter didn't get mad at Paul. Peter righted himself. And that's important to remember. When we are confronted with whatever the issue may be, whether it's this, or whether it's Peter, whether it's some other issue, we're not to <clears throat> become angry, and it happens quite often in churches. I can't have my way, so I'm going to storm out. Uh, that's not Christ-like, and obviously you open yourself up for uh, the Lord confronting us, and we, again, we don't want to be confronted by the Lord. She says, the poor says, surely you're a husband of blood to me. Now, <clears throat> from this, there's some that say Sipporah objected to the right of circumcision. <clears throat> maybe, maybe not. It was occasionally practiced, by Gentiles people, by pagans. Not often, but sometimes. Uh, and because she was not an Israelite, supposedly she may have thought, and again, this is conjecture, so we have to be careful here, that it was a barbaric custom. doesn't matter. Um, God held Moses accountable for not doing what was right. 
And this is not the only time this has happened. First part of chapter 4, go back into chapter 3, we see that too. So Moses is just, he's human. And he's being very stubborn, which is one of the great human traits. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. Stubbornness is a great human trait. And we see that in the life of Moses. Now, Moses thankfully learns. He's a slow learner, but he does learn. And believers, most of us at one time or another are slow learners, but we should be open to learning. So God holds Moses accountable. And he holds him accountable because he did not uh, provide his sons the sign of the covenant because Moses is Hebrew and he desired his sons to be raised Hebrew. And we'll find out more about his sons as we go through the book of uh, Exodus. <clears throat> we are, um, something happens um, and the Lord apparently had, um, whether in a dream we're not told, but something had happened and the Lord sought to disable Moses, literally to kill him. So Moses had to, I mean, excuse me, Zipporah had to perform, uh, to perform the circumcision himself. Again, very, very strange passage. So this teaches us something about the Word of God. And just because it's strange doesn't mean it's not included in the Word. doesn't mean it's not the Word of God. So what appears to be strange to us, the Lord had, <clears throat> he had his reasons for what took place. Maybe Sephora recognized, certainly she did, because she is leaving her home. She had been with Moses now for right at 40 years in, uh, <clears throat> in Midian. And she recognized that uh, Yahweh's hand is on her husband. And she, perhaps more than Moses at this particular time, recognized the serious nature of his call. And this is vitally important. When, <clears throat> when, we, when a, a Christian man and a Christian woman are wed, when they're, when they're married, there are certain roles and expectations that the Lord has, whether it be for uh, the male or whether it be for the female. And his expectation among believers is that the man, the husband, and the woman, the wife, carry out these particular roles. And that they carry them out to the best of their abilities by the power of the Spirit of God. And we see that even here. So without support, Moses would have just perhaps been uh, <clears throat> another man. But not only did God call Moses, but when he called Moses, he likewise called Zipporah as well. And she protected her husband, which is a good thing. Wives don't throw your husbands under the bus, and husbands don't throw your wives under the bus. Protect them, okay? What's the, old, what's the saying today, I got your back? I don't like that saying, but anyway. Uh, have your husband or your wives back, because that's what we have, have right here. Okay, next slide. Let's look at <clears throat> verses 27, close this out. <clears throat> the Lord said to Aaron, go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he went, 
and met him on the mountain of God, which is Horeb, and he kissed him. So Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord who had sent him and all the signs which he had commanded him. Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. So by this time they left, and so this, this, this time that transpires between Moses and Aaron meeting, traveling to Egypt, because they've done that now. Don't know how long, 30 days, doesn't matter, but there's some time that transpires here. Then Moses, uh, they gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel, and Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord has spoken to Moses. Remember, he's going to be, he was um, anointed by God to be the spokesperson. So the people believed. Now, they've been uh, enslaved for 400 years. And so they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked on their affliction and they bowed their heads and worshiped. So this is a remarkable change from what took place in Exodus, the latter part of Exodus chapter 2, where Moses basically killed an Egyptian because he, <clears throat> the Egyptian raised his hand against one of his countrymen, and the countryman said, <laughs> who made you a god over us? And so Moses left Egypt, fleeing for his life, not only for uh, his life among his own people, but likewise for, uh, from Pharaoh as well. So the meeting between Aaron and Moses takes place on Mount Horeb, on Mount Sinai, just about a year or so from this meeting, there's going to be another meeting. And the Lord is going to show up and give Moses his covenant, the law. So this is one of many instances where Horeb, which is a Hebrew name, Sinai is the Midianite name, uh, is called to the, uh, is, is, we are reminded of this great mountain. Yahweh had promised this and it took place. Aaron obviously could speak, or at least <laughs> Moses complained to the point where Aaron was appointed to speak for him. But the scripture does indicate Aaron was a weak man. He was not as strong as his younger brother. Uh, and even though he allied with Moses, and we see him uh, throughout the book of Exodus, uh, there were many instances of uh, Aaron call, causing Moses anxiety and heartburn, pain. Um, let's look at a couple of these. Look at Exodus 32. <clears throat> Verse 1, now when the people saw that Moses was delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said, Come, make us gods that we should go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. He, you know, <laughs> the covenant God may have killed him. For all we know, he's been gone for 40 days. And Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters, and bring them to me. And they did break them off, and he brought them to Aaron. He received the gold, smelted it, fashioned another engraving tool, made a bowl and calf. And then he said, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. So does that sound like a, <laughs> does that sound like a high priest? 
Was Aaron's going to become the high priest? No. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar to it. So all of this takes time. Taking the earrings and making a mold and smelting the gold, pouring it in the mold, letting it cool, and then making an altar. All of this takes time. And he made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Now, this is very much like our culture today. We want to dabble in all things pagan and yet praise the Lord when time comes. Well, obviously this doesn't work out. They rose early on the next day. They offered burnt offerings, brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, Go get down for your people whom you have brought out of the... <laughs> Notice he says your people. <laughs> your people. Whom you brought out of the land of Egypt has corrupted themselves. Verse 10, Now therefore let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them. I may consume them and I will make you a great nation. Look over at verse 15. <clears throat> Moses turned. He went down from the mountain. The two tablets of the testimony were in his hand. The tablets were written on both sides of the one side and on the other side that they were written. Now the tablets... Uh, were the work of God. The writing was the writing of God engraved on the ta uh, tablets. And when Joshua heard, Joshua was uh, at the base of uh, Mount Horeb, heard the noise of the people. They shouted. He said to Moses, there's noise of war in the camp. What a great orgy is going on. But he said, is not this the voice of the shout of victory, nor the noise of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing I hear. And so it was that they came near the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing. Moses' anger became hot. He cast the tablets out of his hand. He broke them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf which they had made. He burned it in fire. He ground it to powder. He scattered it on the water and made the children of Israel drink it. What a mean old Moses was. Hmm. Moses said to Aaron, what did this people do to you that you brought such a great sin upon them? <laughs> he said, calm down, Moses. Hey, this ain't such a big deal. You know the people, they're set on evil. They said to me, make us gods that go before us. And Moses, the man who's brought us out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. And it said, whoever has gold, break it off. They gave it to me. I cast it in the fire. Voila. Outcomes the devil. And this is just one of the many incidents in Aaron's life where he caused Moses a great deal of problem. One of the other things that we learned from this, obviously, is that he was appointed the high priest. That's the grace and mercy of God. Nothing in Aaron that, that uh, promoted being the high priest. Verse 31 of chapter 4 tells us the leaders of Israel respond favorably to Moses and they believe. And belief or trust is always the sign of a changed heart. That if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, and his resurrection, 
you'll be delivered. It's always a sign of a changed heart. So many years before, Moses had offered himself as a deliverer, and they rejected him. But here we see again that God's timing uh, is right, and his destiny for Moses' life was being fulfilled. And so from there, we start to move into chapter 5, the confrontation between Moses and Aaron and Pharaoh. Any comments or questions on what we've covered this evening? Let's pray. Father, we thank you this evening for your word. We thank you for the man Moses. We thank you for your hand of gifts upon him to lead the Hebrew children. Father, may we learn from his lifestyle, from Aaron's lifestyle, from the testimony of <clears throat> their leadership, that you are looking for individuals that are obedient. We thank you for this story about Zipporah and how she supported her husband, how she defended her husband from being killed by you. And so we pray that as we depart this place this evening, that you remind us how much you do love us Bring us back again when we can worship you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name.